Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to GOLA. I'm Katie Parla, a Rome-based food and beverage writer, culinary guide, and cookbook author. And I'm Danielle Caligari, assistant professor of Italian at Dartmouth College and a certified specialist of wine. Danielle, what are you doing here? Oh, Katie, I'm here recording the next episode of Gola Podcast with you. It's pretty cool. We're in Prati, which means lawns or pastures. It's <laughs> like they want you to think that back in the day, this was some sort of appealing agricultural space when truly it was a malarial swamp <laughs> known for little more than its mausoleum ruins, malarial mosquitoes, mm-hmm. and putrid wine production. Not cute. No. It's nice now. It's super nice. It's actually a very, very beautiful neighborhood now with some of the most uh, spectacular residential architecture of Rome, in addition to, of course, the uh, better-known elements owned by um, the Catholic Church. I see. Yeah. It's just stunning. (laughs) It's just stunning. Well, while we're here, and speaking of spaces that might have been greener and more beautiful in other moments— We're going to take an opportunity to have a no doubt lengthy, I'm afraid, conversation about something that would have grown wild in such a space. I mean, literally, it grows wild. And actually, when I say would have, still does because it's it's all around us all the time, right? Everywhere. Literally, like, especially after the March lockdown, I noticed that even more of it was growing out of the sidewalk cracks and all those places along the street where buildings meet the pavement. It's pretty cool. What are we talking about today? Well, we're going to talk about chicory. And I am saying that word with a little bit of trepidation because it is a vast category and one that is, I would say, almost shockingly important in the Italian diet and actually in kind of a greater, not just Italian, but European culinary history. Um, And it's one that then further connects to a a, a kind of global imperial Mm -hmm. history and uh, a more slightly more specific, but then still pretty wide reaching uh, North American and U.S. history. So uh, of all the foods that we talk about and uh, all all of them, there are so many things we can comment on and often do. Uh, Chicory, which is something that people probably don't even entirely understand because because it is such a vast category and it's not a word that we even refer to all that much in the U.S. because we usually think about subspecies, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in the U.S., we always oh. talk about it in terms of the coffee substitute exactly. from yeah. Louisiana and other parts right. of the South. So, you know, our relationship with it is kind of a confused one. And then it's this big, wide-reaching category. And then it has all of these kinds of mm-hmm. weird, important, historical uh, relevance. And then... Uh, it's on top of everything else, uh, something that I think Americans have a weird relationship with because bitter greens are just not on our menu, metaphorically speaking, or literally. Yeah. I mean, 
chicory, I think like pizza. Yeah. Chicoria, like yeah. pizza is a mm-hmm. is a vague term. And you yeah. apply it differently depending on what region you're in, what market you're in, what leaf you're looking at. Yeah. Um, when I go to my local market, mm-hmm. I see Chicoria selvatica leaves that look a, a lot like dandelion greens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in fact, many times dandelion greens are labeled as Chicoria selvatica. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love it if the markets, in addition to naming the price, name of the pr- produce in Italian and province, they also threw in some Latin binomial nomenclature. That would be a yeah. very solid move. But <laughs> Good it luck. Is, <laughs> working on it. Yeah, everyone really li- likes to hear my advice in the market. <laughs> so you've got this sort of category, especially in certain parts of Italy, South Central, Southern Italy in particular, where bitter greens in a variety of species that are cultivated or that grow wild are sold often already cleaned mm-hmm. at the market for you to eat raw. Generally, no, however. Yeah. You can eat chicory leaves raw, but it's something that usually appears in a mixture of different greens, especially earlier on in the season when the uh, leaves aren't as fibrous or as bitter. Um, or sold, you know, by the kilo, but you don't really need a kilo if you're cooking for two people. It's mm-hmm. a lot of chicory. It's a lot of fiber, though, if you need that. <laughs> I do love fiber. I, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> Same. I mean, I, I avoid it, but uh, <laughs> in theory, I like it. Um, and, uh, and you know, here in Rome, we kind of use it one more or less, well, maybe two ways. Mm-hmm. We blanch it, yeah. we wring it out, and we serve it with a wedge of lemon. Mm-hmm. Or we blanch it, we wring it out, and we serve it ripassat in padella, which means cooked again in olive oil with garlic and pepperoncino, though it's never really spicy, which is always bumming, bumming me out every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, you know what? You can also find it on pizza. Yeah. Yes. Very much. And so. in yeah, torte yeah. rustiche, mm-hmm. which are like not not proper quiches, um, because it's definitely not like an egg dominant filling, but yeah. you know, shortbread crust or um pasta frolla uh casing with a mixture of like ricotta egg, cheese and and bitter greens. Yeah, so I think maybe the best way to think about chicory in the uh you you know if you're coming from an american perspective at least is to imagine it as a cross between lettuce and spinach Mm. it's a super common green it's kind of everywhere people in this case are as you say much more likely to eat it in a a cooked form although not only and it's kind of just a go-to it's something that's everywhere it's literally everywhere as we said Mm. where you know it it grows wild all over the place it is for what it's worth indigenous to europe Mm -hmm. also parts of asia and elsewhere it's something that everyone especially in rome but all over the italian peninsula and in europe beyond finds regularly in the the space that they live in it's just you know it's visible all over the place but also is regularly consuming in a variety of forms or in a very uh, or kind of a go-to form like the chicoria ripassata that you mentioned before which i happen to love i think it's delicious love. um it could be spicier yeah. If you're going to put pepperoncino in it, why not make it hot? I, I when I make when I make it for myself at home, which actually it is one thing that I do make for myself at home. I do go to the market and buy a giant bag of it and uh blanch it and then toss it into the pan with some good olive oil and then a heavy hand of pepperoncino for myself. Just your uh your immediate thought when it's what are we going to put next to our protein on the plate? Mm. And and so it has uh this ubiquity here. 
That isn't necessarily the case other places. Mm. Um, But then it also has so many other forms. So you have it as this bitter green. And the reason why it's important in especially the Roman diet, but also the Italian diet more broadly, is because it fills this very specific role of being a digestive aid and something that has long been associated, going back to Galen and to the Arabic commentators on diet and medicine whose work was imported into the Italian peninsula in the high to late Middle Ages and then became extremely, became essential to understanding of how to maintain a healthy diet and a balanced body. Then also appears in a variety of other forms that uh, are important for very, very different reasons. So you have this sort of like baseline of a long and really grounded relationship with people eating bitter greens in the family of chicories that are available widely, that are really inexpensive, that grow Mm. without any help, and that do all the kinds of things that you expect a product like that to do, fill the diet for anyone who needs the calories and and just the, the basics in their diet, but also then are elaborated and played with all over the place because of their ubiquity. But then, of course, there's the fact that also Andive and um, Radicchio. Yes, thank Drinks you. Drinks only Diet Coke. Oh, my God. You don't – you want a Coke Zero. No. Uh, I want you to fly to America and bring me back a Coke – Diet Coke. You were going to call it a Coke Light. I was going to call it a Diet Coke. <laughs> so, you know, so then it's – you know, there's oh, wide what about world. Catalonian chicory? Absolutely. Punterelle. Absolutely. Punterelle. And uh, and then there's this whole other kind of branch of chicory reality that has to do with the 18th century-ish move toward using it as a coffee adjustment initially, which was— uh, Like a blend of, of chicory— like roasted chicory roots exactly. and coffee beans? Exactly, to uh, both to stretch coffee because coffee was uh, expensive and uh, rare depending on where you were, um, but then also to add healthful properties to it. That same understanding of it being digestive and being um, particularly good as um, basically a laxative, mm. not to um, be excessively graphic, but actually... This is a country that is riddled with constipation. We have to talk about this. They do love to turn to their laxative greens. And uh, and then with the understanding... You gotta, you just gotta. Well, you need it. I mean, you're eating, you know, a certain amount of pasta now, if not in the past, it it was... uh, You gotta the meat, you gotta the cheese. Yeah, the foresight of the the chicory lovers was, was strong. And adding it to coffee, not just to stretch it, but also to make it more dietetic and mm-hmm. more more helpful. And then uh, to replace things, not just like coffee, but other uh, elements of the diet when uh, more ricercate, uh, more sought after ingredients were not readily available, especially in wartime. Mm-hmm. So you have a uh, this, you know, chicory ends up sort of inhabiting this incredibly wide and diverse space in the Italian diet as a result of how flexible, how versatile it can be and how familiar it is, because that makes it something that people are naturally going to turn to when they're lacking something else and say, okay, how can we, you know, use this thing that we always have to help us? It also makes you feel alive. 
I mean, I I totally agree. <laughs> I think chicory is like just absolutely delicious here. It's something that I miss when I'm not in Rome. I yeah. said that with no hyperbole whatsoever. <laughs> I like, I feel, you know, I like a, I like a lettuce. Yeah. I like a butter lettuce. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's not going to freaking. Little gem. Make me sit up straighter. <laughs> I like a little gem. Is that butter lettuce? Uh, they're different, I think. I, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't like lettuce. I don't care about it at all. I'm just kidding. It's fine. Um, but like going to a new city and like going to the market and seeing like what they're what they're calling chicory. Yeah. And yeah. seeing how it's used. Yeah. I mean, often, especially in the South, mm-hmm. stuffed into okay. either like yeah. fat based doughs, like a nice Delicious. lard and rich dough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's uh, in a soup with a lot of other greens, adding that like bitter dimension that kind of like works with the sweetness of some other things. Um, I just uh, I treasure it as a concept <laughs> and going up. I'm going up north a lot mm, now. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. And there's I, a whole bitter green situation. Like you're, up there. Sa- you're saying this to me like I like I should be surprised there's a nor- that there's a northern half of Italy. Yeah, that so, I've been okay, commuting so down here from. Yeah. This is the thing. <laughs> When you go, there, okay, so the, the the Ricordo. Yeah. After that, there's, there's more Italy. There's more Italy. <laughs> Did you know? So I I may have mentioned to you before that I, I lived for many, many years beyond beyond the, the, the Sacro Gras, as they call it. No, and, never mentioned that. I, uh, I did indeed have a relationship with other leafy greens as a result. And as you say, Katie, wherever you go, there's a chicory and there's a local chicory that people use in sometimes very much the same way, even though it has a slightly different flavor profile or texture or in very different ways. And um, I, w- I want to connect back to what you mentioned briefly before, which is that uh, one of the things that characterizes chicory wherever it is and whatever form you find it in, whether it be radicchio or punterale or anything in between, is its bitterness. Mm. And this is something we talk about a lot, so nobody will be terribly surprised to hear us repeating it, but it's worth underlining that it's such a crucial part of any meal also not for not only for the many reasons we've now mentioned, but also because it brings in a bitter element that now, whether the person consuming it in Italy today is aware of that long history and aware of its uh, the accessibility of it and aware of the dietetic properties, et cetera, um, they would be looking for regardless to kind of balance a plate in a uh, in within the understanding of what the palate needs, right? So if you have something that's rich on the plate, you're looking for something that's clean and bitter next to it. And so chicory is going to be the answer to that wherever you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I want to give a little shout out because I know that by the time people have gotten to this part in the episode, they're like, how can I grow my own? <laughs> they're, they're desperate for it. They're desperate. Uh, our friend Lane mm. Salmon of uh, the Culinary Breeding Network based in Oregon has been really promoting the idea, hashtag bitter is better. Yeah. So, which I actually think is for Amaro. So maybe that's not her hashtag, but. Well, in any case. <laughs> anyway. Well, let's just use that yeah. and let it be connected. No, wait, hold on. Okay. Uh, I'm illiterate. Can I, you read, can you read the sticker that's on my computer? I'm going to right now. Um, 
It says bitter is better. It has radicchio on it, and it was sent to me by Lane Selman. So, JK, I was wrong. I have a very low blood sugar right now, so I'm not processing stimuli in the way that I'd like to. But in any event, Lane collaborates with Smarties Bio, um, and um, which is a you know a seed company, a seed breeder, and Uprising Seeds to bring in uh, to the United States wonderful traceable seeds that you can use to grow your own. Amazing. And then you get to see how that bitterness expresses itself in your climate. There are lots of there's like a very deep rabbit hole that you can go into on the the radicchio cultivation on the internet. Mm. It's wonderful. And yeah. you can see also how the radicchio kind of responds to sunlight. Like there are all of these different uh, ways you can cultivate, especially the radicchio category, to like kind of it self bleaches or kind of like maybe doesn't develop color if you tie them up. It's so cool, yeah, that's and cool. that's how you get like the really light green with the pink spots one. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the stuff that is more present in sort of conventional supermarket settings is that like bright purple, yeah, uh, radicchio. Mm-hmm. But we could do a whole radicchio episode. Honestly, I, we might want to do a little spin off here, but let's yeah. go back to things that we actually call in English by. The name chicory, like Catalonian chicory. Well, I mean, all of these things are part of it, as you say, and we can get into the individual uh, styles and types and iterations. And I think, as you're pointing out, we're already getting into a conversation about how space specific it is, how mm. located, right? And that that's what makes it worth our attention in the first place. It's something that is expressive of 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 territorio mm-hmm. in Italian or of terroir we use in in uh in English for the French um terroir it's it's a, it's a plant that is everywhere all around us but that is bringing something that's hyper specific all the time so uh that means that after you've done all that experimenting you can have a lot of different experiences with the same group of of bitter greens and uh, whether it be the radicchio, even the the wide world of radicchio that you're pointing toward, or the many other forms that people might find, uh, they're going to have a lot of different culinary experiences with it. Mm-hmm. So if we just do kind of a, a quick overview with the understanding that we're eventually going to dive in more specifically down the line, or maybe one of our wonderful listeners will beg us for something more specific. For now, we can say that there are a lot of different ways that you can employ these in the day-to-day and that you see them, especially in Italy, but also elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Katie, you talked about the standard, a Blanche and a... um, uh, a re-jumping in the pan, as as uh, a bad translation would say, and then uh, well, also you, I always say like, and then you repass it in the pan, which is right, not, or you just repass it. Yeah, it's not English. I'm, I'm always resalting it, or yeah, um, and then you have uh, the kinds of uh, breads or. Again, bad translation, cakes, which are, Mm. to say, ultimately uh, something in the uh, quiche or pie or savory pie family Mm -hmm. where they're naturally going to be. And, of course, in a soup, as um, you know, you have big leafy greens, super easy. Throw them in, add substance, they cook down. They can take a lot of long, slow heat or the opposite, high and fast. They do well either way. Where else might people be seeing the chicory family in Italy? And I don't know, what are are some of the more surprising and exciting ways that you like them? Well, I mean, I think it's maybe not surprising. It Mm -hmm. is exciting. Yeah. But 
the various chicories, their roots in particular, end up in a lot of digestivi, a lot of yeah. amari, um, because precisely because mm-hmm. of their digestive potential. I'm trying to think if I've ever had like a dessert made with chicory and nothing is coming to mind. What else? Oof, I don't Where know. Where does about it go? Where, what's what's new and surprising and exciting? Well, I think the first of all, the variety of fresh salads that mm. you can have with them, because you'll see so many different forms um, from the frisees that might be more mm-hmm. familiar to our American audiences, to the andives that I mentioned before, to the many different forms of uh, radicchio, to the puntarelle that you talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, for me. Really nothing there. I, I love them all. All the ones that we just mentioned, yeah. I love. Um, in fact, uh, I had our friend Mariangela at Cadernon, uh, Acetaya, the uh, balsam, the traditional uh, balsamic vinegar production in, uh, outside of Modena and Vignola, uh, served me radicchio al forno with lardo mm. and some uh, 25-year-old balsamic on top. I... Please don't die before eating that. This is just my um, disclaimer here. But I almost put puntarelle with an anchovy sauce above any of the forms that you could find yeah. them in. I love a puntarella with yeah. the garlic, anchovy, olive oil, and lemon emulsion. And that's literally the only way you find it here. There are no alternatives. It's, yeah. You order puntarella and you have to, often have to ask for it because it's so seasonal. Yeah. I mean, it's on, it's around for months, but it doesn't yeah. make it into like the annual yeah. availability yeah. Uh, uh, litany that you encounter on the contorno section where you'll find potatoes yeah. and chicory, which is always available. But when you order puntarelle, expect a healthy dollop of that anchovy dressing on top and you got to toss it yourself. So on, you know, to go back to your question about surprising, I think yeah. one of the surprising things we all kind of... Before we come to Rome, when we're learning about Rome, we learn about like two Roman Jewish dishes, yeah. which is not all of them, mm-hmm. um, or sometimes just one. And one of the most important dishes in the Roman, Roman Jewish tradition is the layered anchovy and endive yeah. uh, casserole, the curly endive just, casserole, yeah. which you can find, uh, you know, in all sorts of um, uh, incarnations, sometimes breaded, like that's how you sometimes find it, Armando al Pantheon, which is not mm-hmm. uh, owned by Roman Jews, but does produce that Roman Jewish tradition, I think on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go to the Ghetto, although like we've talked about this a lot, not the most exciting place to be eating these days. A lot of the food's mm-hmm. been disappointing us left and right, yeah. but there are places like Cepizze Ce Pasta in Monteverde mm-hmm. or Cepaste Pasta near Ponte Testaccio, a bunch of places in Monteverde that are serving Roman Jewish uh, traditions where you can have that uh, delicious, delicious, surprising, but like yeah. one of the most famous Roman Jewish dishes that people don't talk about. Yeah, no, that I think that's a fantastic example. And I think, you know, to pull back to your uh, mention briefly before of chicory on pizza, in Rome, that's certainly important. And I think the uh, space that that occupies right now is really particularly interesting because it's bringing back these kinds of much more accurate articulations of cucina povera, Mm. which is, again, a thing that we talk about all the time, where, you know, people have, uh, will say that carbonara is cucina povera, right? It's not, it also doesn't have that long of a history, but it's also, you know, when you're talking about guanciale, eggs, right, all this cheese, it's, it's, it's an expression of wealth, 
It's a, and it's a rich mm. and a dish created with both a lot of depth, but also in the moment, right? You mm-hmm. can't, carbonara doesn't travel, mm-hmm. right? Whereas a pizza in the, in the very traditional sense of it, which is to say not thinking of a hot pizza made at the moment or even a la pala, but a piece of bread that is then topped with anything at all to create some substance and then often topped with another pizza mm-hmm. piece of bread and then able to travel or to be a quick lunch or to, you know, give substance to someone who is doing a long day of work. That's where you kind of see these greens coming in a lot of time where you uh, really understand how it has this general ubiquity and familiarity to people here that isn't as uh, conversant in an American context uh, because nobody, you know, kids in the U.S. wouldn't ask for the uh, a, a bitter green and a piece of bread, right? But uh, here it's a kind of very common day-to-day grab something just to tide you over until you can sit down and have a proper dinner, for example. Yeah, um, for sure. What's your favorite chicory dish aside from puntarelle right now? Right this minute? Well, I gave you a good one with the, the radicchio and lardo and balsamic. I uh, also think that it is uh, especially interesting to follow the vast variety of them into Amari, which is something that you and I have been exploring mm. more and more, something that you've always had a very long interest in and that I, I do as well, although I, I guess in the division of labor here, I'm team grappa and you're team amaro. But I... Uh, well, you're more sophisticated than I am. I don't think that's true, but in any case. Um, I think that the most exciting thing for me in terms of chicory has just been becoming increasingly aware of how many different types there are mm. and how differently uh, they perform in all of the contexts that we're talking about. So I thought of myself as someone who really knew about them and and enjoyed bitterness and introduced greens in all these different ways. But now that I've become uh, more aware of the beasts that they've inhabited also in terms of the uh, longer history and their proliferation across the European continent in terms of both recipes and in terms of exchange of, of hyper-local varieties, it's so exciting to me to see people... Uh, doing the things that then, again, that you were talking about, cultivating according to very specific interest or need, giving color also so that presentation is an element mm-hmm. in addition to taste and uh, to substance and texture and what uh, what can happen as a result of that. And it makes me, you know, we, I think one of the things that you and I talk about when we're dining out, uh, especially, is how there can be so much of the same in places that laud themselves or or tout themselves as having a lot of innovation and then surprising amounts of difference and innovation in spaces that don't appear Mm -hmm. to be doing that. So that kind of smaller restaurants with just a lot of attention to where they're getting their ingredients from and to 
just the kind of vicissitudes of the season and What's their, vicissitudes? Um, the kind of uh, back and forth movement or changes of oh, what's being present. I'm so happy I finally know what that of word is. Of what's being, uh, the, the kind of the small changes and uh, uh, vibrations in uh, what's happening seasonally and what they're, what's available to them, what their audience wants. Um, I, you know, you see a lot of just, you know, just kind of tweaks mm. that are really, for example, finding out how a different vinegar, not just balsamic, but mm-hmm. all the great wide world of vinegar um, matches with certain kinds of chicory. So mm-hmm. there, you really get to have a kind of, you know, sapore acceso, a really uh, a flavor that lights up That's and amazing. that uh, makes you, as you say, sit up and feel alive as uh in, in a way that you wouldn't expect. And that reminds you of the reason why you do seek out seasonal and uh, place-specific things. And I, as I'm talking about this with you, it's I realizing that that is important to me in particular right now because we've been on a long stretch of not being able to move around a lot or as much as we might normally and and certainly not thoughtlessly, right? And so now when I come here more than ever, it's always been the case for me, but very, I've been hyper attuned to what I really can't experience anywhere Mm -hmm. else. And there are many things, but this is one of them, right? Um, Local greens pulled from the space right next to you, prepared in more or less the same way, you know, broad strokes, but with just these slight changes where you you wake up and say, oh, that's something that I haven't quite tasted Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Makes you feel alive. (laughs) Well, speaking of feeling alive, I think we better get some calories into you before. Oh, I'm fading. Yeah. (laughs) This one's fading fast. If I don't get her some chicories at all. uh... I can't be living on tramezzini in the morning and nothing else. (laughs) What is this? Well, Katie, besides telling our uh, wonderful listeners and fans to keep following us, as always, uh, I'm at Dr. Caligari's Cabinet. You are at Katie Parla. And keeping up with all of our episodes and supporting and subscribing and telling everybody else what's up with Gola. Anything that you want them to keep in mind? Um, I would say uh, if it's available for pre-order, pre-order Daniel's book on Dante. We might be getting there depending on when this drops. Okay. (laughs) Generally, um, support your local bookstore and purchase The Joy of Pizza. Everything you need to know about making enjoyable pizza. That's not the subtitle, but I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, It's a New York Times bestseller. Dan Richard and I wrote it. We're very proud of it. And we want you to uh, read it and make pizza. I hope you will. And I hope you'll throw some chicories, whichever ones you find near you, on it. And then keep looking out for new and exciting bitter greens, just as you're looking out for new and exciting episodes of Gola. Hashtag bitter is better. We love it. We love our supporters and hope you become one too by visiting patreon.com backslash golapod. And now is the special shout out time for those who support us at the Gyakti level. So thanks so much to Gabe Del Virginia of New York City and our buddies Allison and Gino Ruggiero of Fiorella in Rochester. We also have our wonderful friend Leah at Semolino Artisanal Pasta in Pasadena, California, and Bobby Mazzullo at Mazzullo Pizzeria in Sacramento. Join us for more content, early access, special discounts, and 
news of everything Gola in advance on patreon.com backslash Golapod.